The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Well, hello. I'm Katie Maloney, and you probably know me from a little show called Banner Bumber Rolls. I've been labeled all kinds of things, a bitch, a bully, and a mean girl. But there is so much more to a person than what you see on TV. Tune in every Friday as I talk to some of my friends and castmates, celebrities, comedians, medical professionals, and maybe some political figures. And by the time we're done, you're going to love me. Hi everyone, I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Welcome back to Meaningful Living Podcast. I'm Jess Diamond here with my co-host, Haley Hubbard. And this week, we're talking to Allison Oswald all about pelvic floor health. If you're like us, we had no idea the importance of our pelvic floor and why we needed to take care of it before, during, and after baby. Allison's a board-certified women's health physical therapist who offers an amazing online postnatal series, runs her own private practice in LA, and is a mom to three boys herself. Her incredible work has helped so many women, including Haley and me, reconnect to our bodies and get our inner cores back throughout all stages of motherhood. So today she talks to us about what the pelvic floor is, how to take care of it, and debunks the common myths we hear all about our pelvic floor during the transition to motherhood. She answers all of our most common questions like, how many Kegels should I be doing? How can I stop peeing myself after baby or during baby? Should I wear a belly band after birth? And what do I need to know about sex postpartum? So whether you're thinking about having a baby or newly postpartum, we can't emphasize enough how important this episode is for all women to hear. And while listening to the episode, if you enjoy it and find it helpful, we'd love if you'd share it on your Instagram stories and tag us or tell a friend or leave a review. It's the reviews from all of you that encourage others to listen. And we want to share knowledge and real life experience with all that we can takes a village and we're so grateful for you in this community. Also stick around until the end of the episode today because we talk about why I use a squatty potty and how we ended up with three babies back to back. Now let's hear from the pelvic floor master, Allison Oswald. Obviously you've helped both of us so much with our pelvic floor, even virtually (laughs) during the pandemic and before birth. Yep. But you know, we just feel like pregnancy and postpartum are the stages when we really learn what even the pelvic floor is. Um, I didn't even know what it was until probably you came into my life or until I got pregnant. So today we just kind of want to talk to you all about the pelvic floor and just during pregnancy, after pregnancy and all of that. Great. I know yeah. it's, it's my favorite thing to talk about. So this will be, this will be easy. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about how I was able to work with both of you guys. And it's so funny, like in both ways, right? Virtually or in person. So you guys can both speak to the fact of being able to have both types of approaches, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Before Luca and Atlas, I think. Yes, exactly. And maybe Olivia too. Yeah, maybe. They were all so close together. I can't remember. (laughs) They're running together. Right? (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess let's just start at the beginning because obviously before even like starting to try for a baby, I wasn't even exactly sure what 
my pelvic floor is, like I said. Yeah. But can you just explain a little bit, like, what is the pelvic floor and why is it so important for us to focus on it during pregnancy and postpartum? Sure. So, in a nutshell, the pelvic floor is when we refer or we're referring to the group of muscles at the base of the pelvis and the connective tissue at the base of the pelvis. So, it's like a hammock or a sling of muscles that has a lot of important jobs. And usually when I tell people what its function is and its job, people go, oh, I get why it's so important. And those main functions are stability, and that's of your hips, your back, your pelvis, support of your organs. So it keeps the uterus, the bladder, and the rectum where they need to be, right? Sphincter control, which means you can control when you use the bathroom and sexual function so that you can have penetrative intercourse without pain and that you're able to orgasm. And then it's also got this, we refer to it as a sump function because it helps with lymphatic flow and blood flow through the pelvis. So it has just a major a slew of jobs that are important yeah. um, in all stages of life even regardless of pregnancy, but I think it becomes kind of part of our knowledge base or we start to hear about it during pregnancy because we're having a baby. And now we've got this baby resting essentially on the pelvic floor. And then if you are having a vaginal delivery, that baby has to pass through the pelvic floor. So then you also need to know, okay, if there are these muscles down there that we can't see necessarily, which is why they're so elusive and seem like, Oh, I, I have no idea what this is. You need to learn, or I feel like women should learn what they do and how you contract them, how you relax them to feel your best during pregnancy and then help you recover postpartum. Absolutely. Yeah. And I bet so many of us actually have issues with it and don't even know it. Yeah. I don't even realize. <laughs> so how do we know that we have an issue with our pelvic floor and what are the most common ones? Yeah. So, I mean, the issues, the big ones that stand out are women, um, you know, when you can't control having to go to the bathroom. So what is called incontinence, that's leaking. That's like, I can't jump on the trampoline anymore. I can't, you know, jump in that Tracy Anderson class like I used to, <laughs> um, whatever it might be. Or it could be something called urge incontinence where you're like running to the bathroom constantly. So that's a big one that, you know, people think of with pelvic floor. We also, if you have something called prolapse, where the pelvic organs are actually descending down into the vaginal canal. Um, and this can happen sometimes postpartum and you feel like this pressure, this bulging in the pelvic floor. So that's another big one. Another pelvic floor issue that I see really commonly is diastasis, which is the abdominal separation. And sometimes I guess I should say women don't think of that as a pelvic floor issue, but it's part of like our core system. So they kind of all work together. So those are, those are the big ones. We shouldn't have pain. We shouldn't have, you know, dysfunction of our pelvic floor. We should be able to use the bathroom with ease, whether we're having a bowel movement or urinating, we should be able to orgasm. All of those are kind of the biggest and the most common issues. But I do think that there's so much more you can do on the prevention and kind of the wellness side versus always having to look for issues, I guess. Oh, yes. I, there's, there's, <laughs> there's so many. Okay, let's just take a minute to talk about our sponsor today, Public Goods. We love that this episode is brought to you by Public Goods because they're an amazing company that's changing the way we purchase those everyday goods we need. 
We've been making the conscious effort to change out all our everyday products for ones that don't have harmful additives in them because we know the effects that they can have on our health, but we definitely don't want our kids exposed to those unhealthy ingredients on a daily basis. But then we started switching out products and it was just so overwhelming because we didn't know which products were safer and which products we needed to swap out. Then public goods came into our life at the perfect time and they've made the transition so unbelievably easy and affordable. Public Goods is your new everything store for all your everyday essentials. They have everything from food products like flour and olive oil to household products like toilet paper and dental floss. All their products are affordable and made from clean ingredients and they look beautiful. It's like they know that as parents are bound to leave our household items out on the counter, so they made the packaging so nice to balance out all the toys laying around. There hasn't been a product that we haven't loved, but currently we're obsessed with their surface cleaner, The bottle's beautiful and the product cleans up messes in a safe way and it has refill packs so you don't need to order a new bottle each time you're out. We've worked out an awesome deal just for our listeners. Receive $15 off your public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They're so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they're giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash living or use code living at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash living to receive $15 off your first order. I feel like when I was pregnant, I had to just brace myself for every sneeze because I realized every time I sneezed, I was peeing my pants. Right. (laughs) So every time I sneezed, I would just like clench every muscle in my body just so I didn't pee myself. And luckily that got better. And luckily you came into my life, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I was a little worried. That's a, that's a really <laughs> common thing. And sometimes it, it's often kind of discarded or disregarded, I should say, is kind of like, um, oh, you're, you're pregnant. Like that's just part of it, which it really isn't. Like, I, I think it's important in across, you know, our entire body and all the body systems is like, these are little warning signs of going, okay, Like something's maybe not quite right here. This is something that you can work on during pregnancy and you can make sure that it gets better post-pregnancy. And it's not something that just time will heal. Unfortunately, there's so many common, but not normal things during pregnancy. So I think it's important to realize, or for women to realize like, you you can actually work on these things during pregnancy. It's challenging because you have this ever growing weight on top of your pelvic floor but you can do things and start habits and behaviors and working out differently in ways that will start to heal um, and get you feeling more secure with your body and those kinds of symptoms. Yeah, you're so right. Cause I think that we just almost it's pelvic floor issues, I think are so common that we almost give it like to be a foregone conclusion that we're going to pee ourselves either during yes. pregnancy and postpartum. And people talk about it just as a normal thing, but to know once I met you and knew, wait, you don't actually have to pee yourself. There's something you can do to fix this is, right. is so empowering. Yeah, it really is empowering. And I think that's the most important word right there. It's like, oh, I can actually do something because we have another milestone in our life, usually after pregnancy, which is perimenopause and menopause. And so then you have this huge fluctuation and shift in our hormones, which can also cause some of these pelvic floor symptoms to start showing up. So it's like, let's not, you know, let time just heal. Um, let's really be proactive and start to connect to the pelvic floor and get to the bottom of the root of why these things are starting, starting to show up. Yeah. 
So let's talk about the one thing that we hear the most as pregnant women, which are Kegels. And yes. something you taught me was how important doing the exercise is, but also how important it is to relax after. And I think that's yes. a big thing that's missing. So can you that's talk so about that? Good. I'm just glad that you know that. I mean, I'm just happy that you remember that and that you know it. Um, a really important part of pelvic health, people just, we associate pelvic health with Kegels. It's just kind of like one in the same, which it's just so much more than Kegels. But there is part of pelvic floor rehab that is learning how to contract your pelvic floor muscles. So the pelvic floor, I imagine it like a trampoline and a trampoline is very strong and it works because when you bounce on it, it doesn't break, right? But it also moves. It has this movement down and up. So the pelvic floor muscles, like any other body, any other muscle in your body need to be able to contract and squeeze up. And that's what happens when you do a Kegel. That's what happens when you're holding back that, you know, you're about to cough or sneeze and you don't want to leak. That's pulling up and in. It also is what happens when we have an orgasm like that um, over and over, we get that concentric contraction of the pelvic floor, but we also need the pelvic floor muscles to drop down and open up in order to have a bowel movement, in order to urinate, in order to have a vaginal delivery, in order to begin penetrative intercourse. So that trampoline analogy is a trampoline wouldn't work if it only went up. You need to be able to have that downward motion in order to have that recoil back up. And clinically, most of my clients have too much tension in their pelvic floor. And that doesn't mean they're strong. That just means there's tension. So they still have leaking or they still have prolapse, but they need to be able to learn to relax it so that they can get a good contraction. So typically we start with kind of what we call down training the pelvic floor and get it resting at a place where then you can use full range of motion with those muscles. So definitely a huge part of uh, pelvic rehab. And I'm so glad that you said the analogy of pulling it up. Cause I think yeah. a lot of times when we do it, we kind of push down, we tense up and we're yeah. doing it like a, a Kegel, the opposite way. The opposite. Yeah. So a true Kegel is a squeeze and a lift. So think about there's muscles that are more sphincter. So they wrap around the urethra, the vaginal opening and the rectal opening and those squeeze. And then there's a bit like more flatter, larger muscles that lift. So it's a squeeze and a lift is a Kegel. Um, And then the opposite of that is a dropping down and an opening up. So having that visual is really key. I think I was doing Kegels wrong the whole first pregnancy (laughs) I had. (laughs) And we know like, and also there's this blanket statement of like, you're pregnant, start doing your Kegels. And it's like, why? Like you could already be resting with so much tone and now you're squeezing even more. That's going to make your vaginal delivery harder. Because then how do you learn to relax and let go? But women are just taught like, you're pregnant. You should do, I mean, I've had women come in. They're like, I've been doing 150 Kegels every day. I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) your pelvic floor must be so tight. (laughs) And our pelvic floor on kind of a side note here is innervated partially by our autonomic nervous system, which is our, you know, we have our sympathetic and our parasympathetic. So our pelvic floor contracts and tightens with stress, with tension, with higher cortisol. And I mean, I think we all have that right now. So that is, we need to be able to learn how to let go of those muscles and wake up that parasympathetic, that rest, that calming, a little bit more grounded 
kind of sense in our pelvic floor. Yes, totally. Yeah. I'm loving this conversation, but let's pause to talk to you about Haya. We're so excited to share that this episode is brought to you by the amazing team at Haya because just like us, Haya was created by two parents. In this case, dads who are tired of children's vitamins that cause more problems than they solve. So they created Haya. Haya is a new children's vitamin without the added sugar or unhealthy ingredients that are in so many children's vitamins. Haya is pediatrician approved and delivered right to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. The key to Haya is that they aren't gummies, but actually chewable vitamins that taste great so your kids will love them, but they don't have those gummy fillers and are gelatin-free. We always want to have our kids eat a varied diet, but it's so nice to have a multivitamin to make sure they're filling in the gaps where they're missing and getting the nutrients they consistently need. Their vitamins are non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, nut-free, and made with zero sugar, which matters because we only want to be giving our kids vitamins with the highest quality ingredients in bioavailable form so it works. What's also awesome is with your first purchase, you get a nice reusable bottle. So when you need a refill, you only get the vitamins and don't waste the container each time. If you're in the market for a children's vitamin, you have to try Haya. We've worked out an exclusive offer with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Meaningful Living listeners receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash living or enter code living at checkout. That's H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash living and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Full discount applied at checkout. So now we need to talk about practical exercises we should be doing or what to avoid. Because I remember when I was pregnant with Bryce, he was breached and everyone kept telling me like, okay, you have to relax your pelvic floor or you need to exercise. But then I didn't know how do I exercise without kind of putting more tension in my pelvic floor. So what are some common exercises besides Kegels or things that we can do to help our pelvic floor and which exercises should we avoid? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to give like these are the top five exercises. I, I wish it was that simple, but truly it's how you do the exercises that is most important. Um, so I talk about a lot about my three pillars of pelvic health, which are to stack, expand and connect. So stacking is making sure that you're working out with your rib cage stacked over your pelvis. And so what that does is that optimizes the function of your diaphragm, which is our breathing muscle, and then our pelvic floor. And we want those two to be parallel to one another as best as possible, because how we breathe greatly affects what's happening with our pelvic floor. So we want to stack our bodies. Expanding is we want to breathe into our diaphragm. So you want to breathe 360 degrees into your diaphragm. And when you breathe in, the rib cage expands the diaphragm goes down and so does the pelvic floor. So that breathing in is that moment of stepping on the trampolines, that inhale that's where like everything's elongating. And then when you exhale, there's this natural recoil of the pelvic floor and the diaphragm back up. And if you can work out keeping your body stacked, being able to breathe like that, then you're using your pelvic floor properly without even having to do a Kegel. Now, there might be some people that truly have weakness where on that exhale, then I instruct them to squeeze and lift their pelvic floor. But otherwise, it just happens if you are stacking and breathing properly. And you want to you exercise all the muscles around your pelvis, your glutes, your quads, your hip flexors, your abs. Like we want that all 
coordinated and working together as best as possible and making sure that you're getting that stretch down and that recoil back up. So I I guess if I were to name an exercise, I would say practice breathing, which is hard to do, but practicing breathing properly is, is probably key. And then being able to do that with function. Jess, were you just breathing that whole time? I was like <laughs> taking the biggest deep breath. <laughs> like, how can I breathe? <laughs> I was like, I'm in front of Allison. I'm not stacked right now. I'm not breathing. <laughs> Come <laughs> on. <laughs> and it's like, we don't have to be there all the time, right? Like, I feel like pelvic health, like my mission is to try to make pelvic health part of how we function all day. So it is like, how are we sitting right now? How are we holding our babies? Like, How do we stand when we're doing our makeup or brushing our teeth or cooking, like optimize those times so that we're just setting our bodies up with really good habits without having to feel like super rigid because what we do, you know, 23 and a half hours a day day versus that 30 minute of exercise is going to make a bigger difference. Yeah. That breathing was actually life-changing for me. I remember when I just started breathing and focusing on those deep breaths, I was like, okay, I'll do 10 of these a day or I'll yeah. do 10 sets three times. And I couldn't believe the impact it had. It was, it, makes, it was amazing. It makes such a big difference. I mean, there's just more and more research coming out supporting breath and how effective it is on our nervous system, on our digestion, right? Like we can like improve all of that and improve our just overall being a little bit more calm and I don't know, motherhood's a little stressful. Um, so being able to tap into that is like, it's just like a tool in your toolbox that you're able to go, Oh, okay. I can sit here and take a couple breaths. And not only can I just think about my rib cage, but I can actually think about my pelvic floor. And that's where I have a lot of women go. I didn't realize I clenched my butt and my pelvic floor all day, but it's a, it's a gripping like fight or flight kind of response that we have. What would you say to to women that do have either incontinence? Is it called incontinence? Mm -hmm. Should I just say it? Peeing yourself. Peeing yourself, (laughs) leaking, whatever you want to say. Yeah. At some point. What kind of exercises would you tell women to do for that? Yeah. So leaking, and I'm assuming you're talking about just urinary incontinence because there's also fecal incontinence and some women have that postpartum, but they're all part of the same muscle group, obviously. The first thing is to make sure that women know how to do a pelvic floor contraction. So when I work with people in person, I do an internal pelvic exam and we feel those muscles. I have women breathe in and I see if I feel the muscles expand and open. And then I have them exhale and squeeze and lift the muscles. And I'm feeling for, are they doing it? Most of the time, they're not. Most of the time, they're squeezing their butt or they're squeezing their inner thighs or they're tightening their abs or doing the exact opposite direction, you know, everything. So the first step is let's make sure you're doing it right. And so obviously, I've been doing a lot more virtually these days. um, And so I instruct women to test it themselves. So they use their own finger. They feel in their pelvic floor. And just that neurological connection of like, oh, this is my pelvic floor can really be enlightening. It can be a little scary at first, even though this is part of our body. And I usually say like, if you've put a tampon in before, this is like a very easy thing. You're just going a little, like you're, you're getting a little bit more information from your body. So first is, can you do a contraction and can you do a relaxation? 
And then based on what we find there, we prescribe exercises. So that could be some Kegels if they need that. It could be some relaxing if they need it. It could be oftentimes it's like a lot of glute strengthening because our butt muscles work with our pelvic floor and a lot of deep ab exercises because that's part of this core system. And then because I'm not giving you very specific exercises, one thing I do often do is I progressively shift positions because we want to be, yes, lying down. That's the easiest. We're not fighting against gravity. If you think of the pelvic floor muscles at the base of your pelvis, when you're sitting or standing, they have to squeeze and lift against gravity. So usually we start lying down or even hips slightly elevated. So gravity's working with them. And those are good places to start like, oh, I feel it. And then you lie on your side and that gets a little harder. Then you sit, then you kneel, then you stand. So you gradually progress where your body is in space to make the exercises harder. So if somebody's coming to me and they're leaking and I'm not going to put them in a trampoline class, right? I'm going to say like, you've got to peel back and get the basics and the foundation of how to connect to your core and coordinate that with breathing and then you go into those more tricky and advanced exercises. Let's take a break to talk about today's sponsor, InkyList. We are so excited that this episode is brought to you by the amazing team at InkyList because just like us, they're all about knowledge powering decisions and they have created a skincare line that is simple to understand, all made from transparent and effective ingredients. So it's easy to use and personalize for your skin. Since having kids, we both have noticed this drastic change in our skin. It was like almost overnight, we had so many more fine lines, wrinkles, and even breakouts. Not sure if it's the hormonal change or lack of sleep or a combination of the two, but we've been on the hunt to get back our glowing pre-kid youthful skin and so glad Inculus came into our life. We're loving Inculus products because their entire line of skincare was developed based on the idea that knowledge powers change, meaning they make it easy for you to learn about your own skin and what's in each product so you know which will get you the results that you want because skincare is not one size fits all. And all of their products are at such a good price point without ever compromising on quality, which is so unbelievably awesome. Their retinol serum has been amazing for my fine lines and it's $9.99. It's amazing to be able to find quality products that work for you and you can trust. The Inculus want to encourage you to make the change to your skincare routine with access to clear and simple pieces of knowledge so that you're better informed to be able to make the right decisions for your skin. Visit the recipe builder on Inculus.com to create your own personalized routine and find the right ingredients for your skin. Your mom's skin will thank you. Now let's get back to the conversation. So you have the best postpartum, this digital class that I think yes. it, it's amazing. And so I do want to touch on postpartum. That might be the first time that we notice that we have pelvic floor dysfunction. Absolutely. I think there's so many myths, right? Like there's belly bands and should we be using those and kind of how do we recover postpartum? So can you talk about belly bands and can you talk about just postpartum, what that journey looks like? Yeah, for sure. So so postpartum, I mean, really, you know, that first six weeks, I'm a huge advocate of rest, 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 let your body heal, go slow, give it the time that it needs. But we can be mindful during that time. Obviously with diet, we can be very mindful of things that are supporting healing, but also with movement we can. So um, in the postpartum, the first thing I always tell women is that stacking and expanding, start to reconnect with what that feels like. 
um, because there's such a disconnect with our abdomen at that point. And oftentimes, you know, I remember after having my first baby and I go to sit up out of the hospital bed and I was like, I can't sit up. This is the weirdest feeling. Um, and that's your abs, but that's also the pelvic floor. And I have had three vaginal births, so I can only speak from vaginal personal experience, but even with cesarean, same thing, like you have this disconnect. So, so postpartum, it's all about initially getting the pain management, right? Icing frequently using those padsicles if you need to, which is just freezing the pads with some witch hazel, maybe some essential oils and doing that frequently and a little bit of pelvic rest, which is lying down often because the more you're standing, your pelvic floor has just gone through a massive shift the more gravity is pushing down on the pelvic floor, the more likely we are to feel heaviness, to have more bleeding maybe. Um, So those are, again, the signs that I tell new moms, that is your body telling you something. That means back off, ease up, don't do so much. Even though you mentally might feel like, I need to go for that 30 minute hike right now at four weeks postpartum, I think I can do it. Everybody's body's so different. And, but if you, you're bleeding a ton and you feel heaviness in your pelvic floor, don't just keep pushing past that. We need to honor that and go, okay, we, this pelvic floor needs some more rest. And then I teach women how to, when they exhale, contract and squeeze the pelvic floor to give them more support. So that's kind of like their internal girdle that will do better for you than any belly band on the market. It's just that's your own muscles, that's your own pelvic floor, that's your own abdominal muscles working to give you the strength that you need. I personally do not mind like a super gentle, stretchy abdominal binder postpartum, um, even like the ones they give you in the hospital for after like abdominal surgery that just give you a little hug because it does feel very vulnerable and weak, but to use that when you're resting to use that and still be honoring this time of healing, because as I just mentioned, gravity, if you take your core, so I think of the core, like a can of Coke, your diaphragm is the top of the Coke, pelvic floor is the bottom of the Coke, and then your abs are around the center and pelvic floor weak, stretched out, right? Take an abdominal binder, squeeze that can of Coke. And what am I doing? Pushing everything down. So it causes, it can cause pelvic floor pressure, prolapse, heaviness, just this feeling of being disconnected because you can't contract your pelvic floor against all of that strength that's pushing down. So I'm, I'm weary of them. I give, you know, some women that really love to wear abdominal binders. I just give them kind of, you know, these are the signs that you're looking for. Do you feel heaviness? Do you feel pressure when you're wearing it? Maybe you could be lying down. So you don't have so much gravity pushing down on you. So it's, I've got feelings kind of both ways, but I think if we, if you go into belly binding and wrapping with the thought of like, this is a time for me to heal and rest, I would support that. But outside of it, I think it does more harm than it does good. Wow. I've never thought of that that way. Yeah. It's just like, I used to have this chicken. There's like, (laughs) there's a, um, a little toy called the chicken and the egg and you can squeeze the chicken and the egg comes out the bottom. (laughs) And at every pelvic floor course I ever go to, there's always one instructor that's like, just don't forget the chicken and the egg. We don't want to squeeze the abdomen so that everything falls out the bottom. And especially (laughs) during a vulnerable time of healing. So 
I mean, even think about that. We see a rise in pelvic floor issues and prolapse with really tight skinny jeans that go around the waist, right? Or women that constantly suck in their bellies. They're always squeezing their abdomen and they breathe up into their shoulders. And we also see more, um, more prolapse and more heaviness and more pelvic floor pain. It's amazing. That is. Wow. I know. Let it go. (laughs) Don't hold all that tension in the abdomen. I mean, there could be like a resting tone to the abdomen and it should be, it's supporting our organs and it's holding us upright, but we shouldn't have this like gripping tightness really anywhere in our body. We want movement and blood flow and ease of, of all of our organs and our systems. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about postpartum sex. Um, Obviously I think a a lot of women, it's not something we all look forward to right after we have a baby. (laughs) So true. that, That can be very scary. And I know a lot of doctors say, wait six to eight weeks. Um, is that an appropriate time to wait is there harm with sex and our pelvic floor? Yeah. I mean, the appropriate time to wait is completely based on, you know, the birthing person, whatever they feel comfortable with, which I think goes without saying the six to eight weeks is a normal quote unquote healing timeline. So that's typically when a doctor sees you, does an internal exam or examines your um, cesarean incision and says it's healed enough. There's nothing open, you know, everything is closed that it's safe, quote unquote, to have intercourse. But that doesn't mean that the birthing person is ready to have intercourse emotionally or mentally for sure. But once that time does arise, you know, if if she is nursing or pumping with those hormones, oftentimes the vaginal tissue is more dry. So I always tell women to use lubrication, even if they've never used lubrication before. I also mentioned previously that our pelvic floor is connected to our fight or flight, right? And if we are feeling nervous, if we're feeling tense, if we're feeling like this is going to be painful, maybe those muscles can also tighten up. So sometimes always I say like communication with your partner, let them know that like, this is what you're feeling. We're going to try this. We're going to talk through it as we go, especially the first time, what feels good, what doesn't feel good. Sometimes women have scar tissue that that can feel sensitive um, or tight and painful. And that really, again, these are all like telling us about their body and ways that we might be able to help with it. But those are kind of the most important things. And then uh, it's always, yes, the first time, the second time might feel a little different and could feel like, okay, this this is going to take a little getting used to, but getting used to a couple of times. If pain persists, if there's bleeding, if there's, you know, anything that just doesn't feel like it typically does to you, those are like, we need to do something. We don't just push through pain. We don't, you know, some women are told to have a glass of wine and then relax and you'll be fine. But there are real physical things going on in the pelvic floor that we need to make sure we're addressing. That's so helpful. And what about, this is so crazy. It might be TMI, but so, <laughs> nothing's TMI. <laughs> so after Olivia's birth, um, uh-huh. she was my first and I did tear with her. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I would never want to have sex again. I was like, don't touch me. I'm so scared. I was like petrified. Of course. Then my second two, which were boys, and I did not tear with them. I was ready after like two and a half weeks. Yeah. And I was like, I asked my doctor and she's like, I, 
I really think you should wait four weeks. And I should have asked her why, but I'm curious, like what is too soon to have sex after birth? Yeah. I mean, it's it's basically just the healing itself. And you're not alone in that. There's so many women that are like, I don't want to have sex for months. But then I get plenty of women that are like you 10 days postpartum. And they're like, I really want to have sex or they really have that increased sex drive. So I, I think it happens for lots of different reasons. But I think the biggest thing postpartum is even without tearing the pelvic floor muscles stretch three times their length. If you've had a vaginal birth and you would not take any muscle in the body and stretch it three times its length and then be like, okay, you're okay to go back to training for your triathlon, let's say, right. There's going to be time to heal. And then the other thing is the uterus is healing. So where, you know, inside the uterus itself, where that's healing, if we could see what's happening in the uterus on the outside of our body, women postpartum would be treated like Queens, like they should be because there's so much healing happening inside that we can't see. And that's why there's this, like, you know, this, the emotional toll of a woman who's pregnant and you can see her belly and she is just like doors are opened and everything is taken care. You know, when you can see something or relate it to somebody in a arm brace from rotator cuff surgery, like you can see those things. You can't see the healing that's happening internally. Um, so I attribute it more to kind of the, the uterus itself healing, which is why it's good to give it a little bit of space because with intercourse and if there's an orgasm, those muscles concentrically contract and relax over and over again, it's like a workout. Um, and they just might not be ready for that. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for answering that. Now, (laughs) now everyone probably knows why we have three kids. (laughs) (laughs) You just gave it all away. <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> so, Allison, you always have like the simplest items to get that make such a big difference. What are just two items that we should get for our pelvic floor health? Um, I think having something to sit on to practice breathing because most people can't sit on the floor totally comfortably without kind of leaning back or supporting themselves with something. So, I love, I have it on my website, like this round, like meditation cushion to be able to sit on. It's also a little squishy. So it gives your pelvic floor some feedback. And then the second thing is a massage ball. And I love these yoga tune-up balls, or I have like one that's made out of cork that you can use to release the muscles in your glutes. um, Because as we've talked about, they're very much related to the pelvic floor. So typically if you have really tight hips or glutes, your pelvic floor is probably very tight. And then you can also use it to roll and massage your back so you can improve breathing and being able to stack, roll your feet because our feet are very much connected to our pelvic floor. So it's just a great tool to have for what I call like kind of backdoor exercises. It doesn't go right on your pelvic floor, but the muscles that are part of kind of the family of the pelvic floor, it can support. I forgot about that cushion until you just said it. And that was something you recommended for me with Bryce. I use that. You told me to use it when I was playing with him postpartum, like on the floor. Yes. We use it every day and it is fantastic. Something else I remember just popped into my head was, is it called the Squatty Potty? Oh yeah, the Squatty Potty. Is that what it's called? I love that thing. You told me to get it. You're right, yeah. (laughs) Do you have it, Haley? That's the question. We do have it. (laughs) Oh, look at that. The Squatty Potty is amazing. So a big part of like pelvic health and wellness is 
making sure that we can use the bathroom properly. And to my point of when the pelvic floor contracts and relaxes, when you have a bowel movement or urinate, the pelvic floor has to drop down and open up. But often we push or we strain and we're tightening the pelvic floor. So then we're fighting against tension in the pelvic floor and trying to either have a bowel movement or urinate, which just can down the road cause some issues. And then when your feet are up on the little squatty potty, it relaxes the muscles of the pelvic floor. So it actually allows you to be in a more optimal position to have a bowel movement. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Another great tool. Thanks for the reminder. (laughs) Wow. Well, thank you so much. I feel like I've learned so much even after everything we've already learned from you. (laughs) We forget these things sometimes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.